your dream to God. And it's based on the story of, of Hannah, lady in the Bible, who, uh, uh, well, I was going to read it, but I won't, I won't read the whole story because it's quite a number of verses. But, but uh, she was, uh, had this dream, had this desire, had it in her heart to, to have a child, and it wasn't happening for her. Um, so it's interesting that Hannah, the word Hannah actually means favored. So did you know as a, as a believer, as in Christ, you are, you are favored? So Hannah means favored, but she didn't feel favored because her dream, the desire of her heart, didn't seem to be coming to pass. The thing, the, the big thing that she really wanted wasn't happening, and so she felt like a failure. She felt like this thing wasn't happening for her. And what was even worse, if you know the story, you know, when she went to church, she felt even more guilty for not being everything that she was supposed to be. And so that just made things worse. And, you know, sometimes we can come to church and, and all we feel sometimes is just increased focus on past failures, disappointments, things that aren't happening in our life. And those things just get highlighted and unfulfilled dreams and regrets and our own inadequacies. And it can feel like things aren't working out. And the, and the, the whole feeling that Hannah had or the, the environment that she was living in at the time is summarized in verse 7 uh, of 1 Samuel 1, which says this. Oh, no, it's not verse 7. Uh, or is it? Oh, yeah. Top of verse 7 says, And this went on year after year. Does anyone ever feel like it's just going on year after year? Another year starts, you're all excited, but it doesn't seem like anything's changing. It doesn't feel like any, anything's moving. Nothing's going forward. It just seems like it's the same year after year. And if you've ever felt like that, or maybe you feel like it right now, then you can relate to how Hannah was feeling right here at this point. But then Hannah did something that caught the eye of God. And, and this is how this story unfolds. Hannah came to the end of herself. She'd done everything she could in her power, in her ability to try and make this thing happen. And in the end, she just said, you know what, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm giving it to you. And in verse 11, it says, she made a vow, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, listen to this, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of her of his life so instead of this whole dream this whole desire being about her and if you know the context of the story part of the desire for her wanting to have a son was simply because her um uh, the the other wife of her husband so the husband had two wives and i won't go into explaining all that while that was happening at the time but but she had had children and she was tormenting Hannah and was saying, you know, oh, you, yeah, you can't have kids, you're not doing this. And, and sometimes it can, the things that we're saying we want are simply because we want to prove something to somebody else, that we are somebody or that we can do it or that we are successful or that I am someone. 
I'm significant. And so sometimes there's a, there's a um, twisted motivation in our heart for the certain things that we're asking God for, to prove something to somebody else. And part of Hannah's desire for having children was simply to stick it up. Panea, who was the other mother, go, yeah, up yours. See that? I can't have children. Shouldn't I say that? No, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> um, to say, yeah, sucked in. Is that all right? <laughs> um, and, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes, you know, we want that promotion or we want to see that, that get that house or we want to see that thing fulfilled because really it's about proving to other people that we've got something better than them um and and it's the test of time that sometimes filters through those motivations and you know hannah came to the end of herself where she's like you know what god this is no longer about me and my my attitude and and difficulty with panea but I want this to be for you. And so she says, God, I'm, this dream that I have, this desire, I'm actually surrendering it to you. Uh, and in verse 11, as I said, she said, I will give him, I will give this dream, this desire that I have to the Lord for all the days of his life. So Hannah brought a dream to God and gave it as an offering. Um, so the dream no longer belonged to her. It belonged to God. It was no longer about Hannah. It was about Hannah and God. And so we're talking about a, a shift in focus from a, a horizontal desire, a horizontal um, dream or a horizontal goals to vertical goals, vertical desires, vertical connections and relationships. So she was no longer trying to use God's promises to prove something. She was now using God's promises to provide something that was going to influence the lives of others. It was no longer about her. It was becoming about God. She was now using God's promises to provide something for others' benefit. It was no longer about what she could get out of it, but about what God could do with it. That's a shift. No longer about what I can get out of it, but what God can do with it this dream, this desire, this thing that I have that's going to not just benefit me, but is going to benefit other people and change other people's lives. She was not going to raise her dream the way she wanted it to be raised. This meant if she gave it to God and let go, it wasn't going to look the way she wanted it to look. She was taking her hands off that area. It wasn't going to be dressed the way she wanted it to be dressed. The dream was no longer under her control, her direction, her design. She was going to let it go and let God do with it what God wanted to do with it. She was going to be the vessel, if you like. She was going to be the conduit to bring this dream that's given to God into the world that, yes, will influence and affect her life because she was still going to have the son, but she was going to let that dream go so that it could be in the hands of God and become much bigger than it could ever be in her own life. And when Hannah brought the dream to God, no longer controlling how it would look and where it should go, but trusting God to raise it to its full potential and see it fulfilled completely, then, then it says that 
not only did God give her Samuel, but in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 21, it says, And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters on top of Samuel. And it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. So when she said, You know what, God? This thing that I really want and need to see happen and whatever, I'm going to submit it to you. I'm still going to believe for it. I'm still going to pursue it, but it's no longer about what I'm getting out of it, but what you can do with it. When we do that, it actually opens up a whole new opportunity for God to move in our lives. And not only did the, that dream come to pass, but multiple, um, more than what she'd asked for came to pass. And that's why on the front of these cards, it's written over and above. Because when we give something to God, He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine. He's able to take that and multiply it in enormous ways. Not only did she fulfill her dream, but God did over and above, and Samuel went on to be one of the most influential figures in the Old Testament. The greatest prophet, many people say, was Samuel, because one woman said, you know what, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm going to see what you can do with it. I've tried. So, that, so today when we're filling in these cards, I want, I want you to think about the things that, that you want and desire, and there's nothing wrong with them, but, but to try and put in a perspective of, you know what, God, how can this thing that I want, whether it's whatever, getting married, or whether it's a home, or whether it's a a business or a career opportunity or whatever it is but 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 to think about okay god how how are you able to use this to benefit your kingdom how are you able to use what i'm believing for to, and i'm going to open it up to your hand of transformation so that it's not i'm not controlling how it looks like i'm not going to control how it comes and when it comes and why it comes, I'm going to give that to you. Because, you know, most often we want our dreams fulfilled our way, on our terms, in our time. And God's just the one that's coming to give it to us. We want it convenient, without stress, without pressure, and, you know, like a microwave. Microwave dreams. Put it on one minute, at one minute, the door opens and wow, it's ready. But, <laughs> but God doesn't work in microwave dreams. God's in the crock pot. You know, I don't like crock pot food. Actually, I don't know why, unless it's just our crock pot. <laughs> but when it's been cooking for eight hours, it is tender though, you've got to admit. It's very tender, but I don't know, something about the taste. But, God's not into microwave transformation. God is into the slow cook. He's into the slow transformation. And it doesn't matter how much we scream and shout and kick our legs out and have a tantrum about God not doing what we want, it doesn't change him, does it? He just keeps cooking away. He goes, I said it at seven and a half hours. <laughs> You're at 45 seconds. <laughs> this is going to take a while. It's no different than, you know, anyone who's had children and you 
two-year-olds or whatever around that time and they're wanting something and they throw themselves on the floor and scream and shout, you don't go, oh, yeah, well, okay, let me get that drink that you wanted. You go, get up or I'll beat you. No. <laughs> you don't, you don't. I mean, sometimes you might give in, but most times you don't go, oh, yeah, because you're having that tantrum, I'm going to give you what you want. You go, stop being immature. You're not going to get what you want. Stop having a tantrum. Get up and let's keep walking through the shopping centre. <laughs> you're not having those lifesavers. You know, that's why they put them at the counter, isn't it? Right there where all the kids can see them. So that you go, oh, shut this kid up. Yeah, have it. Um, I don't do that. But, but God is into the, he's into the transformation. It's more about the journey and it's more about the transformation than it is about the dream, the desire and the thing coming to pass. And Hannah, through this process, learnt to trust in God and saw far more than she would have if she had tried to hold on to what she wanted. You know, in the late 1800s, there was a guy by the name of Tony Tony was a young boy with a dream to be a minister. And even though he was a young boy, he would take every opportunity to witness to people and invite people to church and to, to share the story. Um, and God had come to him at an early age and he, he had a real heart for God, a real desire to, to live for God. And he thought endlessly about doing something great for God. When he turned 14... Tony's father passed away and he was forced to leave school to look after the family farm. He tried to study, but he was so tired after working all day out in the fields and helping care for the young, his young siblings that as the months and years rolled by and his mother got older and less able to work, Tony began to realise that he was never going to be able to leave the farm. He was never going to be able to pursue this dream that he had to be a minister and so he gave that dream to God he said God I've got to look after my siblings and my mum and I've got to work the farm I, I, I can't pursue this dream so over time Tony got married to Jenny and they continued to run the farm together but in his heart of hearts he'd said to the Lord maybe you could give me a son that could fulfill the dream that you placed in my heart and soon his wife fell pregnant and answered a prayer. And when the child was born, they were all over the moon. But it was a girl. <laughs> Hold on, let me finish. <laughs> At that time, in the 1800s, women didn't go into ministry. And so although she was a beautiful girl and loved by the parents, she wasn't going to fulfill this dream that, that Tony had passed back to God. Then another child, a boy. Thank you, Lord, thought Tony. But as Tony began, as Henry began to get older, it was clear that his passion was for farming. He loved the farm. He'd worked the farm with his dad, and there was no real desire that he could see to go into ministry. And so he realized, well, t Henry wasn't going to be the one. Another child, another beautiful daughter. Another child, another beautiful daughter. And then nothing. 
this story is supposed to be full of pathos and everybody's laughing. <laughs> when his wife was well past the normal childbearing age, the dream died in Tony's heart. And he said, God, I feel like you gave me this dream and I was hoping I was going to have a child that was going to fulfill that dream, but I just, I give it to you. Then an unexpected surprise. Jenny was pregnant. Oh God, could this be the one? It was a boy. Eight years from the birth of their last child. September 16, 1926. A little boy was born and they called him Harold. Tony had never mentioned his prayer to anybody, not even his wife, Jenny. And he sure wasn't going to say anything to Harold. He wasn't going to put any pressure on him to feel like he had to fulfill this grand, long-standing dream or desire. But then Harold was startled when at the age of five, he approached his dad in the field and said, Dad, when I get older, I think I want to be a minister. And Tony broke down and began to sob uncontrollably. And Harold couldn't work out why. <laughs> he thought it was a good thing. <laughs> but Tony never said anything to his son. He just said, that's wonderful. Because he knew the, as the years go by, you know, that desire could change once he hit teenage years or whatever. And he wasn't going to put that pressure on his son. In June 1950, Harold graduated from seminary and began his first pastorate. And it was only then that Tony said, I've got a story to tell you. He sat down with his son and said, this is what I've been believing and this is what I felt God spoke to me about my life. And this is not just the fulfillment of your dream and desire, but something that God gave to me. That son's name was Robert Harold Schuller, who became one of the most influential ministers of the 20th century. He became the pastor of what's known as the first modern me megachurch. Thousands of people. He had the largest uh, radio and television audience for his um, show, which was called Hour of Power. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. It's not around so much these days, but... At one point, 75 million people were coming in every week to watch and listen to his sermons on TV and on radio. And, yes, I know I was going to say that, but thanks, Helena. <laughs> Not only did God fulfill Tony's dream through Harold, or Robert, as he became to known. But then his son went into the ministry, and now his grandson's in the ministry. Thank you, Helena. <laughs> and now there's a dynasty of preachers that's been established through Tony giving that dream and that desire to God. So often our dreams are not about us. Robert Schuller would go on to say, I thought my dream had come to pass. I thought my desires 
were being fulfilled. And it was only, it was only later that I realized it was not really about me. It was about God fulfilling a purpose and a dream that he'd placed in my father's heart which had been passed on to me and I was just a part of the big picture of what God was wanting to do in the earth. You know, as we talk about dreams and desires here today and we write these things down, I want you to think bigger than just what are the little things that I need to get fulfilled. And as I said, they're all important. We don't want to minimize the the things that we want to see fulfilled, but life is so much bigger than just getting some possessions or proving to somebody that we are something and that we can do it and that we are of value. Someone that might have said something, a teacher or, a, or an ex-boss or something like that. Now, our whole motivation is just proving something to someone. That's why we want to see this thing happen. But to go, you know what? God is far bigger than that. And the thing that he's got, I want to I know, as Andy said in that scripture, I want to know Christ and I want to know who I am and why I'm here. That there's a bigger, there's a bigger picture at play. And my things and the things that I have and the God, things that God wants to do through my life and, and my calling in business or, or whatever vocation it might be, that it's bigger than just me getting a paycheck or me seeing some dream desired. God wants to use it to change lives and to make a difference. So what I want to do right now